everyone, and welcome to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, a weekly rewatch podcast for TV shows, movies, and this week, the burning question on everyone's mind, do Jedi float? And if so, does that make Ahsoka a witch? What also floats? Bread. Apples. Uh, very small rocks. A duck. Exactly. My name is Mike Hilty. And I'm Nick Farrow. How you doing today, Nick? I'm doing well. It's after the holidays. Everything's calmed down. Um, let's talk about Sunday night's Golden Globes. The good listeners deserve to hear our thoughts on this prestigious award show. And if you'll recall, just last week, they got to hear our talk about the nominations. So why not give them our thoughts? I have to say, they did pretty well. Yes. Guessing what would and wouldn't win wise. If memory serves, we both said Robert Downey Jr. and Divine Joey Randolph and Lily Gladstone and Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. So those were, I mean, that's four big ones that we we got right off the bat. What Do you remember what we said with actress? I think we just were wishy-washy with actress. Because at the time, we hadn't actually seen a lot of the movies. Have you, at this point, seen all of them now? Or are you still behind a little? Yes, yes. I've okay. I've caught up on almost all of them except one. I still haven't seen Poor Things. And oh. that was, to me, probably the biggest surprise of the night is that Poor Things took the comedy or musical. I think I was only surprised because the Holdovers won both actor and supporting. supporting. Uh, so I said, to, I think I said to Julie, as it was happening, I go, I'm pretty sure Poor Things is going to win, but it could be the Holdovers. And then Poor Things did take it. The one that surprised me was Emma Stone for the best actress, but only because after seeing The Color Purple, I think both her and Fantasia Barrios, they both were outstanding, top-notch. It could go to either of them. But me personally, if I was voting, I think I'd give it to Fantasia because both of them delivered excellent performances. But Emma Stone didn't have to also sing and dance and crush that element of the performance as well. She just stands out a little bit more because she had that little bit extra that she had to do with her performance. So that's why I think Fantasia, I was really expecting Fantasia to take it. So the Emma Stone announcement surprised me. Don't get me wrong. The color purple was fantastic. And I really liked almost all the performances in it. I just didn't think that Fantasia Barrio had any momentum or anything like that because what was the color purple even nom? I think that was a big snub, right? It wasn't even nominated for best picture. It was nominated just for the two acting roles. Because you'd think that as a musical, it would have been included. After seeing the movie, I understand why it didn't get nominated for anything other than the performances. As a whole, I get it not receiving a Best Picture nom. I, I just think the performances were just outstanding in them. That, that was It really held them up. So th- then we saw Nolan take Best Director and uh, Oppenheimer take Best Picture for the drama. I'm frankly a little surprised that yeah. it did because they usually don't reward critical or like box office success Oh, up until this year, mm-hmm. where they literally award... They have a category for that now. <laughs> a stupid 
category that we're just going to nominate all these movies, but we're going to give it to the one that made the most money. Is the Golden Globes even going to be a thing next year? Because I feel like they didn't uh, do yes, so hot no, this year. It, this it year. will. And here's how I know this. Because so many normal people are talking about it. Like in a not my wife's good. social circles are talking about the Golden Globes. And in not that, in a, and not in the way we're talking about it. Like the production can you did you see the they they shot the carpet at one point. Yes. They didn't cut away from the carpet. The whoever was producing the show was so high. That person was probably drunk, just like oh, yeah, everybody always else. is at the Golden Globes. Because between the very odd camera angle choices, I think during that same point when they shot the carpet for a second, they also spent like five minutes looking for Dua Lipa because they couldn't find her at the Barbie table. He's a chameleon. <laughs> Plus also, whoever thought to arrange the area the way that they did in order for everybody who won to have to go on a small quest in order to find the stage. <laughs> it was. Like, we're going on an adventure. Like, which were, way do I go? All the most famous people in the front and none of them won anything. And they put all the winners in the back. So they're all like, doo -doo 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 -doo. it's like Billy in the Family Circus cartoon. Like the footprints all over the damn place. Yeah. <laughs> So between that or those two things, the cringy voiceover guy. At the oh, just, man. I I could not stand him because I, I had a debate with myself what I didn't like more. The voiceover guy or the host. Look, go ahead. Give give him your two second. I like him plug. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give Joe Coy maybe five percent a little bit slack on this. For two reasons. One, because he's a fellow Filipino. And also the fact that he was only given a couple weeks to do to do. Yes, I heard that he got hired like 10 to 18 well, because, days ago, something like because, that. <laughs> because nobody wanted to do it. And rightfully yeah. so. That doesn't change the fact that you don't throw the writers under the bus for your <laughs> bad delivery of jokes. Yes, the, the delivery was the problem. Like he's blaming the writers, but then... All of the presenters, for the most did, part, were did nailing did theirs. And I'm like, did they have different writers on the presenter side of things? Or is Joe Coy just like completely bombing up there? Like, I don't get it. He bombed. And he bombed yeah. pretty bad. So uh, do you have anything else you wanted to add last minute on that there Golden Globes? or All the TV awards were chalk. No real surprises there. I do say I, I kind of want to watch this beef show now. It it swept all of its categories. Beef beef is great. I, I think it's, to me, it's probably one of the best things to come out of Netflix last year. I enjoyed it a lot. That first episode is crazy. And then as it just continues to escalate this feud between these two people, oh, it can't get worse. And then by the end of each episode, you're just like watching with your hands over your eyes, be like, what is going on? Do you have any other thoughts about the Golden Globes or anything? Oh, the clips. I think Alice will come all the way down from Australia and find us if we don't just absolutely trash them for the way that they used clips. Let's start out with the fact that almost all the acting performances did not receive clips. And then the the the, the movie 
the the most popular box office movie award got yeah, like the longest. the longest clips. Like they were just playing the trailers in front of each one of these movies. I'm like, what is happening? These are the movies that everyone saw. Hence the big box office. Why are you not using clips for anything? I'm I'm almost wondering, is it a rights thing? Did they not get clearances to play these clips? Were they afraid that they were going to be demonetized? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that CBS wouldn't think that far ahead when it comes to something like that. CBS, the network that had the infamous Janet Jackson nip slip during the Super Bowl. They also so are the they ones that run Paramount+. Plus. That's 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 fair. <laughs> so I am assuming that they just did not think because I'm sorry, you cannot give best stand up performance clips, but not any of the major acting categories. Yes, agreed. I was surprised. I'm like, OK, I get it. This is the new category we want to show off. I didn't know about that award, but then I saw the nominees and I'm just like, Nate Bargatze had one of the funniest stand-up performances this year on Amazon. How is that not one of the nominations? Like, because it's filled it. Because it's pretty much an award to placate Netflix. That's all it is. Because most no, of the those Oscars are... certainly aren't doing that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, hey, Netflix. If you think Bradley Cooper's face was upset when Killian Murphy won. Just wait until he realizes the Oscars hate Netflix. <laughs> His home. I don't. I. I don't know which studio needs to get yelled at. I guess all of them probably. But if he didn't take that to every studio in town before landing Maestro on Netflix, he's a fool. Because I gotta tell you, nothing sounds better than watching Maestro through my iPad speakers. Everyone who saw it in the theater, all like 15 critics, had nothing but like, this is the best mixed sound movie in the entire decade. And I'm like, well, I really wish I could hear it, but that's never going to happen. So cool. Yeah. Stupid Netflix. Put your movies in freaking theaters at least for two weeks. I can't I tell you what, Netflix, you'll make some money. Like, did, he, it's, did he really think that he had a shot to win, though? I don't know. I'm thinking he did based on his face. That was a face of, oh, no, I have absolutely wasted two years of my life on this movie. And this is what my award season is going to look like. I am going to lose to Oppenheimer and every category <laughs> for the rest of the season. I honestly, personally, I think his directing is the directing that Nolan should worry about. And the only reason Nolan isn't going to worry about it is because, like Nolan, what are the odds that they give him an Oscar on his second directed movie? Nolan had to make three or four Oscar-worthy movies before they would even consider nominating the guy. Like, right. <laughs> it's the only reason I don't think that Bradley Cooper has a shot. But honestly, if it was up, to, if Oppenheimer didn't come out this year, I think I'd be pushing for Maestro as best director. Okay. I really liked what he did with that movie. Anything else that you need to get off your chest for the Golden Globes? No, I think, uh, what do you, no, I think I'm good. Do you think we should get into this week's episode? Uh, let's do it. This week, we will be watching Ahsoka Part 5, Shadow Warrior. Once upon a time, oh, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Now this is a story. 
you you do so much you could do anything. We open up on a sweeping surface shot of the planet Cetos, uh, the trees, the forest, the ocean against the cliff of the witch ruins, and we see the ghost, a ship that someone cared enough to name uh, has landed on the planet. Uh, Hera is inspecting the area. Hera is inspecting the area, blaster drawn, uh, when she opens up comms to Carson and tells him to do a full sweep, but it looks like everyone is gone. Jason and Chopper come down the ramp and ask if it is safe to come out, and she says yes, but to keep Chopper close. Hera then hears movement and motions for the two to stay back as she walks cautiously towards the cliff edge to find Hu Yang holding Sabine's helmet and staring over the edge. He's in distress because he told them to stick together, but they just didn't listen. So after the title, we are in the world beyond worlds where Ahsoka is noticing that Anakin looks the same and Anakin breaks the cardinal rule about women and aging. With his loose skin and old balls, gross. Do you think it would be bad if they actually had Anakin, you know, just the way that he looked after? Like regular all? age Hating Christensen? Or are you saying, oh, all messed up looking and well, I mean, I guess they couldn't because they changed the ending of Return of the Jedi. So, well, the idea is it was it's one of two things. It's either the Matrix thing where his residual self image is how he appears as a force ghost or it's because what we see is Anakin Skywalker and the burned, destroyed, gross, pale carcass of his body was Darth Vader. And so Darth Vader wasn't redeemed. Anakin was redeemed when he became a Force ghost. Otherwise, he couldn't become a Force ghost. I really think they could have just kept him his current age. He didn't get redeemed until he was in his, like, 40s. So, like, they could have just done regular age. They wouldn't have had to de-age him at all. I don't understand what they were doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Anakin tells her that she lost a fight, but Ahsoka can't remember right away. Until she does, very quickly. He tells her that because she remembers, it means she still has a chance to live. And he's here to finish her training. I guess it's like a mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. This, this show plays fast and loose with how people can die. And it's bullshit. Lightsabers can't kill people in this. Falling off of a cliff, can't kill people in this. What the hell? I think part of the problem is they never really defined what this world beyond worlds is because it was used in Rebels. Like, she went through a portal to get there. Like, she didn't die to get there. So, like, why? I, I don't know. I don't know. It It's very not clear. I didn't think Ahsoka died in the first place. I thought she got sucked through another portal or something. Like, I assumed that, like, that weird owl thing brought her there. But they didn't really go into that. Well, then it gets it gets weird later on in the episode, which I pray that we're going to talk about when people start hearing stuff. Yeah, we'll, I, have, uh, I have questions about that as well. well. We'll get there, but there's a lot here that I don't get. I'm hoping that you, as the canon expert, can help piece some of that stuff together? I'll try. Find out do or do not. There is no try. I'm going to try to do so also with a little less scathingness in my voice. I was As I was editing last week, I'm like, ooh, Nick, you're a little bitter this week. 
So Anakin's like, hey, I've got training for you. And she's like, well, what's the training? And he pulls out his lightsaber and she's like, I'm not going to fight you. She doesn't want to. And he's like, no, no, this is the training. So uh, he goes right at her with the lightsaber and she catches it on her own blades. And so they trade some blows back and forth just before we end up cutting back to Setos. The one thing that I did like, sort of, so when Anakin does come at her and she's like, I won't fight you, that's a direct pull from the original trilogy. That's what Luke says to Vader. And I like that they're trying to kind of work Ahsoka into the overall lore of this universe. It works. Back at the Witch Ruins, Hera is scanning for signals while Hu Yang inspects the map orb, but unfortunately, Balin broke that thing for good. Hu Yang isn't sure if Ahsoka and Sabine were on the hyperspace ring or if they're dead, but he knows that the longer they take to find them, the more likely that either of the two outcomes is true. Carson shows up to tell them that Leia just put in a call to say that they need to hurry up with whatever they're doing because she can only provide cover for them for so long. Carson is concerned that if they don't report soon, people are going to start to ask questions. We might benefit from people asking a few more questions. Jason interrupts to tell him there's something about the water. He can feel it. He tells her to listen to the waves. He can hear lightsabers. They both stand there with their eyes closed as we hear the sound of the waves turn into lightsaber noise. Hera smiles and then orders Carson to get his squad in the air and start reconnaissance of the ocean. She tells Hu Yang to join him on the ghost and tells Jason good work and to stay with Chopper. Carson, still confused by the order, asks Hu Yang what he's missing, and Hu Yang tells him uh, he should have watched Rebels. Do you even like Star Wars? Stop asking dumb questions, nerd. Okay. The ship takes off, leaving the 11-year-old unattended with the galaxy's most irresponsible babysitter. How the hell is this possible? Okay. Jason's father was a Jedi, so... Jason is Force-sensitive. This is possible for Jason. He can use the Force. Hera, on the other hand, is not. I have no idea how Hera can hear it. I'm very confused by this. Is Hera also now Force-sensitive? Or is this like a Sabine thing, where it's like, Dave Filoni just decided that anyone can use the Force, so he can do it that way. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. To me, this gives me vibes that being Force-sensitive is potentially sexually transmitted. I mean, that's kind of always how it's been, isn't it? Anakin's kids could use the Force. The Force is strong in your family. But Padme... As Yoda says. But, but Padme could. Padme, Padme couldn't use the Force, but Anakin could, and so... But this, is, but this is what I'm saying, is that Jason's father, you know, maybe passed Kanan. some of... Sure. Well, okay, I fine. mean, it's... Pass, it's pass, a, pass some realistically, of Realistically. Okay. It's the midi-chlorians in the... It's microscopic organisms in your blood. I'm Mr. DNA. Um, if you don't want to see it as midi-chlorians, it, it is... It's an inherited thing. In the books as well, like Oren Horn, one of the, uh, the X-Wing pilots who learned that he was Force-sensitive. His kids have it. He found out that, that his father was adopted. And the reason he was adopted is because his father was a Jedi who was purged in Order 66. It is a thing that's passed down. The prequels kind of go out of their way to be like, 
the Jedi don't have families, the Jedi don't have kids. One could argue that because of this lack of family bond, that's why the Jedi Order became so weak and able to be overthrown by Palpatine. Luke's new Jedi Order in the books, he allowed his students to have families so long as they were mindful that the attachments don't take them to the dark side. And as a result, they had strong family units in the Jedi Order, which when working together in kind of like a, almost like a mind meld kind of deal, they would actually be stronger force users. They they kind of it was kind of like uh, in like Dungeons and Dragons, you buff the party by having the aura of your your family together. You worked better as a team. You were more in sync with each other. And so like family units of Jedi were actually really freaking cool. So uh, the force is an STD, baby. <laughs> so yeah, Jason having it totally makes sense. Hera, the non-force user, not at all. Does not make sense one lick. That's not how the force works. Back in the world beyond worlds, Anakin and Ahsoka are having an old person fight and neither is making too much ground. Looks like you don't have much left to offer. Anakin then slices at the platform they've been fighting on and it shatters, dropping Ahsoka right into her younger self, surrounded by purple smoke and some running clone troopers. Spirit, what is that light? It cannot be dawned. It is the past. And I'm just going to stop here again and squirrel a bit because I love the look of these live action clone troopers. It's so weird how my brain just latches onto them in like a reverse uncanny valley thing because all the clone troopers in the prequels were CGI. There was never a clone trooper on screen in like a physical costume. So like to see them, they just look so good because they're like stormtroopers, but they got colors. The colors, Duke, the colors. I'm colorblind, kid. So <laughs> like, I really like them. I. I don't know. That's just me. I really dig the the look of these clone troopers running around. I would have to agree. I did. I did like them, and the fact that they were real was was cool and interesting as well. I do like the fact also that the person that they got to play the, Baby Gamora. The, yeah, exactly. Baby Gamora, the Baby. luckiest young woman in Hollywood. Apparently, she's also in Barbie. 2023 was a good year for her. And then on top of that, she has Avengers Infinity War money. <laughs> so, oh, like... yeah. And arguably, she has one of the most pivotal lines in Avengers uh, Infinity War. What did it cost? Everything. Yes, sir. She's going to be around for quite a while. And if she decides she doesn't want to, she'll be <laughs> just fine. So baby Ahsoka sees Anakin run past her and realizes that she's in the Clone Wars uh, in one of their very first missions. In fact, she asks, why are they here? And he responds, I don't know. You tell me. She then says, I don't understand. And he simply says, that's your problem before running off. Great so dialogue. Great. Just I know, right? beautiful dialogue. Right really there. just so snappy just here. I remember when we watched this episode the first time. I got to the end of it and I was just like, that episode was really bad. And it was the dialogue again. And then everyone on the internet was like, Dave Filoni saved Star Wars with this week's episode of Ahsoka. I'm like, 
oh no, I'm in the extreme minority. Oh no. <laughs> I yeah, the dialogue in this just pulled me out of it completely. The visuals, I get it, I get it, and we'll get into it. Uh the visuals of this, of what he did in this episode, I understand why people love it. I just it just sounds like chat GPT pumping out dialogue once again. How dare you? The dialogue in this would make Aaron Sorkin jealous. I thought you were going the other way. How dare you insult ChatGPT's ability to do dialogue? <laughs> Ahsoka finds herself no longer in the battle, but in its aftermath, where there are a bunch of dead and injured clones. She sits next to one of the dead and or unconscious clone soldiers and looks very forlorn. Anakin, off in the distance, is talking to some Twi'leks, or Twi'leks, I guess it is. I think we're we're burying the lead here, though. Everybody wants to know that uh, in addition to the Twi'leks that Anakin is talking to, he's also talking to live-action Captain Rex! We did it! Woo! Thunderous applause! I was very excited to see Captain Rex. So, like, I get it. People completely forget that dialogue is shit because it's Captain Rex! Oh my god, I love Captain Rex! Both of you showed valor out there. Captain Rex is a cool character. But uh, Anakin stops his conversation with a very cool character named Captain Rex to encourage young Ahsoka that they need to prepare for more Separatist forces. He can see that she's distressed. They had lost so many soldiers and she's clearly blaming herself for getting them killed. Anakin takes her aside and says, this is war and it's their job to lead as Jedi. But even Jedi make mistakes sometimes. But our mistakes cost lives. That doesn't bother you? Ahsoka says that this isn't what she trained for. Anakin counters that they must adjust to the times. Obi-Wan taught him that they are keepers of the peace. But to win this war, he has to teach her how to be a soldier. Ahsoka wonders if fighting is all she will teach her own Padawan someday. You're getting a little ahead of yourself with with this. Not you, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. You know? Well, I mean, and that's and that's kind of... So this is where I'm wondering, is... Is this a memory? Is she reliving it? Is old Ahsoka in any way control of young Ahsoka? Or is this a memory? Like, because it would lead me to believe like she wouldn't ask that question because she is doing that's literally what she's doing with Sabine. So I I don't I I'm I was confused in that way. I don't because, know. Because maybe this is a situation where you just need a simulation of something that is important to you that will cause you to think of things in different ways. Similar to how in in Lower Decks with the twin twinning. That's kind of how I took this situation. Is that so what you're saying is this would have all been resolved so much quicker if Anakin and Ahsoka had put on a Mark Twain costume and spoke with a southern accent. I am from South Chaldoff. That was a southern accent. Yes, I am saying that because it also probably would have ended less violently. Clearly, Anakin's lesson here is that Ahsoka is having trouble with her own Padawan and is not sure that she wants one. I'm, I'm glad that this is the lesson that he's trying to teach her right now when she is kind of dead, maybe, possibly. Like, well, she's also partly alive. She got better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and then Anakin does ask her, do you even want a Padawan? Uh, teaching's not all it's cracked up to be. That's absolutely what you want your uh, your teacher to tell you. Yeah. 
Well, Ahsoka agrees with you. She does not like this joke, uh, not at a time like this, at least. And Anakin gets a little defensive and asks if she would prefer he be more serious. And I'm not sure if there is some subtext here, because, again, I don't know if this is a memory. Uh, a adult Ahsoka is too serious, but based on her continued behavior moving forward, I don't think that the lesson actually gets learned because she stays serious. So, like, I don't know. Like, Anakin's trying to teach her how to have a Padawan. And not to be too serious. I don't think she learns any of the lessons. Well, no, she she clearly doesn't. It looks cool, but I did not understand what part of the point of this is. Like, yeah, because if it's if it is a memory, like we've kind of talked about, then this is a pretty stupid memory to, right. to show. Well, that's awfully specific. It, it's awfully specific, and it also does nothing for it. But if this is meant to teach her something in a way it's like, hey, let's drop you in a scenario where you probably learned a very valuable lesson about what it means to be a Jedi slash soldier slash keeper of the peace, what have you. And let's drop in some other little nuggets of, of truth in here. It did a shitty job of that too, because like, oh, you did not loosen up at all throughout the course of this show. So then the question becomes, what is the point of this besides to showcase a cool Clone Wars scene and to bring Hayden Christensen back? Exactly. Anakin says that he's teaching her how to lead and how to survive. And to do that, she's going to have to fight. And if she stops fighting, she'll die, which actually is a nice callback to that the Tales of the Jedi episode with uh, Ahsoka and Anakin. But like he runs off into the smoke uh, with the rest of the soldiers the music crescendos, you get the silhouette of Anakin to Darth Vader and back to Anakin again. Again, super cool. Love the visuals. Everything about that looked cool. Dave Filoni does make things look cool. I give him that credit all the time. He's like the Zack Snyder of Star Wars television shows. Uh, I do love that, you know, he's teaching her how to lead and how to survive. Like, first of all, good job telling her how to survive when she's partly, you know, dead. I like what they're doing here, sort of. They're showing that Anakin made her this way, in other words. Like, I got it. Like, I learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from watching you. I'm terrible at teaching Sabine how to be a Jedi because look at who taught me. And, like, she grew up in the Clone Wars. Her upbringing as a Jedi was very non-traditional. And Hu Yang even says as much in the previous episode. You come from a long line of untraditional Jedi. I mean, Anakin was found way older than they normally would train people. Obi-Wan was probably the most normal out of all of them, but allegedly maybe had a romance with a Mandalorian at one point. Qui-Gon Jinn, super outside the box Jedi, like does his own shit. Count Dooku was his master. <laughs> Look what happened there. Yoda trained Count Dooku, probably the weirdest and oldest and most renowned Jedi master. Like, so many people have come from this line of Jedi that are just so out of the ordinary that, you know, Ahsoka teaching Sabine is the next step here, and she's in the same position. She now has to teach Sabine from an entirely new set of rules 
because the way she learned doesn't exist anymore because it sucked. So, like, I get what they're trying to do. It's just not coming across correctly. But why don't you take us into Witch Rocks with Jason? Meanwhile, back at the Witch Rocks, Jason and Chopper are watching the X-Wings fly over the water. In the lead X-Wing, Carson is getting impatient. He asked Hera how much longer they're going to have to do this, uh, which is kind of how I felt watching this episode. They're starting to push their fuel reserves and they aren't finding anything. Hera says she understands, but orders him to widen their search out from the shore. On the ghost, Hera tells Hugh Yang that Carson is right. Sabine and Ahsoka seem lost and soon they'll be stranded out there too. Uh, Hu Yang reminds her that the New Republic is only a quick phone call away. Uh, he also is glad and surprised that the New Republic approved her mission. Hera corrects that assumption and admits that the mission probably was a bad idea and the senators were right. They're just chasing ghosts. Hu Yang then says the first nice thing to someone in four episodes. You do things your way because you care. This is why people like you. That's right. He better say something nice to her. That's Mary Elizabeth goddamn Winstead. It's one more reason I relate to Hu Yang, because he's a bit spicy at times. But like me, he knows that you treat Mary Elizabeth Winstead with respect. Hera is like me, though, and doesn't know how to take a compliment and immediately changes the subject. You're not you're not gonna throw out a compliment to me off the cuff or anything like okay. I fine, already fine, told you fine, I already fine, told fine, you fine, I liked your fine, haircut. Fine, fine. Uh <laughs> you I don't think you said it in the podcast proper. Oh, you're I'm, right. I didn't. Hey, all you dear listeners out there, Mike got a haircut over the holidays, and he's a snack. Yikes. Look at him. He's gonna have all the ladies bashing down that door. I tell you, his wife better keep an extra close eye. It's a nice haircut. I've got a 30-foot range. <laughs> for the audio listeners out there, you're just going to have to visualize it for yourself. Yeah. Just use, use your imagination. She asks him where Ahsoka and Sabine are. People don't just vanish into thin air. Is there a chance they are out here somewhere? Yang says there's always a chance when it comes to Ahsoka. She is tenacious like her master. Hera asks what he was like, and Yang responds, Intense. Uh, before Hera can inquire further, Jason comes in to tell them that Chopper is detecting something uh, on his scanner, uh, but they will have to get low. Let me see you get low to the window, to the wall, till the sweat drops down my balls. She brings the ghost in towards the water and is practically skimming it as the music swells and we transition back to the dream, memory, smog, heavy battle of the Clone Wars. Only this time, we are no longer in one of Anakin and Ahsoka's first battles. Ahsoka is still young, but now she has her two white lightsabers, signifying that this is after she left the Jedi Order. We then see her cutting down Mandalorians as clone troopers with their red Ahsoka helmets from the Siege of Mandalore episodes run past her. And we get to see live action Rex again. He looks so good. I love him. Rex tells Ahsoka nice work and beckons her and the other soldiers to advance. Ahsoka stays put, though, as Anakin comes up behind her. He doesn't recognize the battle, and Ahsoka tells him, well, you should have watched the Siege of Mandalore arc that closed out the Clone Wars TV series, now streaming on Disney+. God! 
<laughs> he tells her that she did well. She's a warrior now, just as he trained her to be. Everything that he is is in her now. All the knowledge he possesses is now hers, just as he inherited it from his master and he from his. She is part of a legacy. Ahsoka doesn't see how that's a good thing. Her part of the legacy is nothing but death and war. Anakin tells her that she's more than that because he's more than that. And she looks at him and says, yeah, much more. So much more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. And Force Ghost Mace Windu is watching and says, am I a joke to you? Is Mace Windu not worthy of a Force Ghost? Did he not train well enough to... To do He's that live hashtag bring back Mace Windu. He's still alive. We never saw a body. I'm going to tell you right now. Mace Windu does not just die when he falls out a window. Are you kidding me? Sure. He might've been a little, but like realistically they just cut off his hand and then blasted him out a window. If Darth Maul could be cut in half and exactly. fall down. What An elevator shaft. A very high elevator shaft, nonetheless. Yeah, there's a lot in there. I am still falling! A long way um, down. And survive that? It is conceivable that Mace Windu could still be alive. Or did Samuel Jackson just be like, nah, just kill him? There was an image that went around a long time ago. It was Mace Windu, like old grizzled Mace Windu, with a robot hand. And in the Clone Wars style animation, he had like lightning scars on the one side of his face. He had one bad eye. And Sam Jackson and bad eyes, man. Like, get him an eye patch. And so like the question became, would Mace Windu be alive and come back? And ever since I saw that picture, I was just like, yes, please. Now? That's why he's not ever showed up as a force ghost because he's still alive. But whether he's alive or dead, a ghost or not, he, he definitely was like, the I totally called this. <laughs> Ahsoka says, if everything that is in you is in me, then that's a problem. And Anakin is like, whoa, this is, he takes, he takes great umbrage with this. Uh, and it's like, I come here to help you and you throw Darth Vader in my face. He tells her that she's learned nothing and it's time to start over. I gave you a choice, live or die. He goes really vindictive on her. Like, how dare you? Takes his lightsaber out. And this time it's red. And Ahsoka tells him no, but he tells her incorrect and then attack. I just, I love watching him fight. Aiden Christensen really gives it his all in these fight scenes. He is just so cool to watch. Before he was using two hands like Anakin did. Now he's in using his Vader one hand style. And it's just the fact that he can do these stunts on his own is just, did you see the behind the scenes on mm -hmm. this? Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. Mm -hmm. Like them practicing. Like, it's just so fun. I love, I just love watching the behind the scenes of him and uh, Ewan McGregor. They oh, were like, those were, those were great. They were like giddy school children. They had the most fun and it translates onto the screen. Like you can tell they were having a blast doing this because they just put all of their effort into it. So like kudos to this fight. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Is this a memory? Is this a dream? Is this well, all of that this, stuff? Um, this is not a memory. In this case, it would have to be old Ahsoka in the body of young Ahsoka because 
Anakin wasn't at the Siege of Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore takes place concurrently with Revenge of the Sith. So Anakin was in the midst of Order 66 at this point. Like, shit was about to go down. Right after the Siege of Mandalore, Ahsoka and the clones get on a ship, and that's when Order 66 happens. She's, like, on a ship full of clone troopers, and they get the order to kill all the Jedi. So that's how that that whole arc... It, it's, it's really well done, I have to say. I may have qualms about Disney Star Wars, but shit, man, that is a good arc of, of television. Tantamount to the best Star Wars has to offer in terms of any kind of content. Like, very well done. So Anakin kicks Ahsoka so hard, it sends her right back to the World Beyond Worlds platform, and we can hear the Vader breathing follow him as he advances her. He tells her that she lacks conviction and goes even harder. He grabs her one hand with his free hand and presses down with his saber, destroying hers and disarming Ahsoka. Ahsoka starts dodging his attacks and then manages to spin around him, grabbing hold of his own weapon and taking it from him. They stare at each other intensely for a few seconds, and then the yellow in Anakin's eyes is blazing, signifying that he gone full Sith, and it almost looks like uh, there may be some in Ahsoka's as well. But then she deactivates the blade and tosses it off the side, telling him, I choose to live. He slowly backs away, looks down, and closes his eyes. And when he opens them, the yellow is gone, and he smiles at her. There's hope for you yet. Just then, there's thunder in the distance, and she looks away. When she looks back, Anakin is gone. The world beyond worlds starts to fade, and Ahsoka begins to sink into water. And we fade to black. Uh, Ahsoka wakes up in the water and we see a rebel pilot on a harness jump to her rescue. They pull her into the ghost and she wakes up saying Anakin's name. Later on the ghost, Ahsoka wakes up in one of the bunks. Huyang greets her and tells her she's been unconscious for a whole day. He tells her they might not have found her if it wasn't for Jason, which she finds interesting. He continues by spilling the tea. Hera and her team are uh, there against order. She asks about Sabine and he says they were hoping that she knows what happened to her as he hands her the broken orb. Outside, Jason gives Ahsoka a hug and tells her that he heard her lightsaber fight. Who are you fighting with? Uh, she finds this curious. Before she can answer, Hera suggests that Hu Yang take him inside to check out Ahsoka's starship. Jason gets excited and asks, what's your ship called? I bet it has the best name. Only a complete nerf herder would fly a ship that hasn't been named. Hu Yang tells Jason he will show him the training room. You have a training room in your starship? Will you train me? No. Do you know how to build a lightsaber? Yes. Will you teach me? No. As the two banter adorably off the ship, Hera asks Ahsoka where Sabine is, and she responds that the last time she saw Sabine, she was holding the not-destroyed version of the orb. But Ahsoka believes that she should be able to use the Force to get the impression off of it to determine what happened. She closes her eyes, and the Force shows Ahsoka a very choppy version of the previously on. But she's able to glean that Balin convinced Sabine to join them to find Ezra. Because of the implication. Hera insists that they have to go after them, but Ahsoka thinks that it's not that simple. That's poetry. <laughs> Again, it's like poetry, so if they rhyme. Just, just 
great. <laughs> Just then, Carson shows up and is like, I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is the fleet has arrived. Well, they're a little late. But the bad news is they aren't here to help. Hera says she'll deal with the fleet and Ahsoka needs to figure out how to find Sabine. And as Hera leaves, Ahsoka stares at Sabine's helmet with a defeated look until she hears the sound of the purgle in the clouds. There is one possibility, but of course I cannot guarantee success. We could attempt to find some whales. Back on the ghost, Carson and Hera are taking a hollow call from Mon Mothma, asking them if they have Morgan Elsbeth in custody, evidence of Imperial activity, or maybe perhaps Thrawn's return. This is the question that I asked last episode. Why was this not the reason to send Hera? This should have been all the reason. <laughs> hey, Mon Mothma, if you wanted Morgan Elsbeth in custody, evidence of Imperial activity, or of Thrawn's return, maybe you should have greenlit the mission. I I'm really starting to think that Discount Borsphalia actually works for Thrawn. Hera tells her, no, even though they definitely have evidence of Imperial activity, uh, the recording downloaded from Ahsoka's nameless ship of the hyperdrive being installed from episode three is one bit of evidence of Imperial activity. This is also corroborated by the For the Empire in episode two. And to top it off, they have their own recording of the giant hyperspace ring blasting them out of the way as they jumped into hyperspace from the last episode. So when she told Mon Mothma no, what she really meant to say was yes. Because she does have evidence. A lot of evidence. But that being aside, they forgot all of those evidence things. So Mon Mothma tells them that because they don't have any of that evidence, there's nothing she can do. Hera and Ahsoka are to return to Coruscant with the fleet. Hera doesn't think that Ahsoka is going to agree to that, but Mon Mothma says the oversight committee is going to be determining if her command should be permanently suspended, and she will need Ahsoka's testimony to help avoid that, and then hangs up on them. I don't know how you score this, but we're losing right now. Ahsoka then comes in to say that she knows how to find Sabine. Uh, we cut to all the ships taking off. The X-Wings head out to space while the Ghost and the old no-name fly into the clouds to look for the space whales. Hera voices her concerns regarding the plan and Huyang agrees, but Ahsoka says without the map they don't have any proper coordinates. They find a pod of space whales and fly through them as they majestically soar through the clouds. They come across a big one, and Ahsoka gets out of the hull of the ship and has a forced conversation with the Hurgle. We need uh, Dory. to find his What are you doing? As Ahsoka and Shamu are having a chat, Carson calls to tell them the fleet is attempting to approach the planet. Hera orders him to stall them so they don't frighten the pod away. Up in space, Carson tries talking to the captain to stall. He may not be as dreamy as Oscar Isaac, but he definitely is more convincing. He tells the captain that they are not to approach the planet until he receives confirmation from the general that her mission was complete. The fleet captain informs him that there was no mission and he respectfully disagrees. She tries to play good cop and says maybe they can help, but Carson isn't budging, so she gives him an ultimatum. Explain the nature of the mission, or he will be stripped of his rank for resisting an order from fleet command. He tells her, okay, but you're not gonna believe me. Back on the ghost, Jason asks Hera, Mom, 
what if someone starts watching the show at episode five? How will they know what's going on? And Hera replies, well, I guess they wouldn't. Why? And Jason says, do you think I should give a brief recap of what's happened so far and what the plan is with one more reminder that we could find Ezra if this works? And Hera says, go right ahead, buddy. So so he does. But then we cut back outside to Ahsoka and Moby Dick when suddenly the giant whale opens his mouth. Ahsoka tells Hu Yang to get in the big guy's mouth. That's eating us! How do I taste, Moby? Huh? Do I taste good? Hu Yang very reluctantly agrees. Hu Yang takes the ship in, and as they land, he asks if Ahsoka is sure that they know where Sabine is. And she says, the f*** if I know, but going somewhere is better than going nowhere. And no, it's not. It's absolutely not. You guys are on a timeline. You need to stop Thrawn. If he takes them to another galaxy, then they're out of the game completely. This whale could literally take them anywhere. And that show is over. The show is over. She needs to be more sure before getting in the giant space whale's mouth. Is it just me? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So they get in the space whale's mouth. The whale leaves the planet and the fleet's like, whoa, and they get out of the way quickly. Ahsoka says goodbye to Hera and promises to find them. Hera says, may the force be with you. The whales go to hyperspace and we've got space whale hyperspace butt to credits. And I am just still reeling from the whole, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But whatever. So <laughs> did you like this episode, Mike? I like some of it visually it looks really cool and again i love this hating christensen revisionist history that people are finally starting to have loved hating christensen being back even though his bullshit lessons are you know i've got a whole paragraph here that breaks it down Go ahead. so so Go ahead. what exactly is the lesson anakin is trying to teach ahsoka is it supposed to be a lesson that will make her more open to teaching Sabine and taking on an apprentice? Is it a lesson that she needs to be less serious and loose? Is it that she, like Luke, is afraid that she will become just like Anakin, repeating the Luke Skywalker beat? The conclusion that she comes to, that she wants to live and not fight Anakin, doesn't feel like a lesson learned at all. Okay, she wants to live. So was the lesson that she shouldn't want to die? Is that the lesson? She doesn't feel like a character with a death wish. I, I feel like the theme, and I say theme very loosely here, because there are no themes in this show. It's all text. But the quasi-theme of the show is Ahsoka and Sabine's master-apprentice relationship. So shouldn't the lesson be a stepping stone to fixing that relationship? And if that's the case, what did Anakin do to help? Her do that so that's the question what moving forward helps fix ahsoka's ability to teach sabine because clearly they're not getting along she doesn't think she's a good master because she was a wartime consigliere jedi and so therefore she doesn't know how to teach jedi in peace times they're not in peacetime. So like, I don't know why, like she's actually really a good master. They are about to enter another war. They're trying to stop this war. But like, what did she learn? What did Anakin actually teach her? I don't think he did anything. Maybe he just taught her the ways not to do stuff. 
Maybe. It felt like that last beat was her saying, I'm afraid I'm going to become Darth Vader. I am afraid I'm going to fall to the dark side. I'm going to do a bad job the way, like, the way Luke was afraid of turning to the dark side. Like, my father turned to the dark side. So it's in me. Like, But, that, but that's, 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 that's different. Not, that's, that's different, exactly, though. That's exactly. Because... That's genetic versus well, I mean, what? He didn't get raised by his father. I mean, it's a nature nurture, I suppose. But like in this case, Luke and Ahsoka are the are the very epitome of nature versus nurture. One of them was nurtured by Anakin. The other would be the nature of Anakin. It almost feels like the better story here would be to team up Ahsoka and Luke to deal with this problem together rather than having Sabine. Ahsoka's so concerned that Thrawn coming back is a problem, she needs somebody who's capable of fighting these Jedi-like bad guys. She tells Sabine, three episodes ago, you're going to need to be a whole lot better if you want to hang out with this crowd. Luke is right there! I mean, I feel like I am taking crazy pills. I feel like I'm rewriting this show better than what they're currently doing because it's all right there, but they're so afraid to use Luke, they're not seeing the nose on their face. Mm -hmm. Like, the story is right there. We just broke it. The right. nature nurture of what happens when someone was raised by Darth Vader and somebody who is the blood of Darth Vader both have the same fear that they will become Darth Vader. There's your story. <laughs> Go tell it. And oh, Thrawn can be the bad guy too. Like <laughs> we did it. We just we just fixed Star Wars. You do do not say that I did anything for this. You, you, you were a good sounding board. What do you think? Does that actually work? Does no, that make it, sense? It does because I would much rather see that than ultimately what we continue to get with Ahsoka and Sabine. They just don't work together at the very least because of the way that they're being written to work together. Yeah. Like I really feel like these two characters should be awesome together. Like they should be a great team, a <laughs> Jedi and a Mandalorian working together on paper. That's sold in the room. It should be at least. <laughs> like, I mean, that's why, why spend eight episodes making them not that it's just <laughs> beyond me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, the episode looks awesome. The dialogue sucked again. What is lessened? Why is lessened? <laughs> Who is lessened? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? I've got myself a nerd rant this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want to hear it? Of, of course. Of course I do. All right. Here we go. You know what really grinds my gears? That's not how the force works. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. This nerd rant is coming with a disclaimer. I in no way mean any of these comments towards the young actor playing Jason Sindula. He's great. He's a great little kid. Uh, no, this is the whole idea of I hate, hate that they call him Jason. And it's spelt J-A-C-E-N. Jason Solo was the Jason from the Expanded Universe. Han and Leia's son. He, he turned into a bad guy, unfortunately. He was a good guy for a long time. But eventually, he grew up. And then he turned into a bad guy. <laughs> Kylo Ren is discount Jason Solo. Mm -hmm. 
So for them to then use the name Jason, like as though they're doing us a favor, like, oh, see, look what we did. We we winked at you. We get it. You guys read books and that was a character. I hate them. It's so annoying that they named him Jason. Anything else they could have named him. So you did not interpret that as a wink. You interpret that more as a double middle finger and a cackle all the way down to the bank where Dave Filoni is, I'm sure, cashing millions of dollars of chips. Absolutely. I I hated it. I hated it so much. Uh, And then what's with the green hair? Why, Why is he just a human with green hair? His mother is a freaking Twi'lek. She's got head tails and everything. She's green. But he's just a human with green hair? That makes no sense. Aside from the fact that the the universe, which I know is not canon, established that Twi'lek and human, their naughty parts lock in, but they're not compatible from a DNA standard. They can't reproduce together. There were two characters on the Rogue Squadron who fell in love, but they were unable to have children because they're just, it doesn't work. Human stuff doesn't make Twi'lek babies. Because how would they come out? They'd have little, like, little nubs? I don't know. They wouldn't have just human features with green hair. I'm telling you that much. It's weird. But Jason, I hate the name. I hate name and anything else. Uh, also, also, why is Ahsoka even a little bit confused about Jason having, of course, his dad was Kanan Jarrus, a Jedi. Like, come on. Sabine shouldn't even be her first choice of apprentice. This should be a Batman situation where she finds out that Jason, oh, you could be my Robin. Like, it's so much. He's got the force. Give it. Let him be the guy. He's my guy. Ahsoka and Jason Sindula. Force buddies for life. Shall we move along to our official canon? Yes, let's do it. You know, my pep have always said, if you want to do something right, you make a list. He's making a list. I'll put it on the list. It's quite an impressive list. Thank you. He's quite clever, you know, for a human being. In this segment, Mike and I will share our list of the Star Wars Cinematic Universe, old and new canon alike. I will do my best to not upset everyone with my hot takes, although we're getting close to the top, so they're not as hot a take anymore. They are definitely not. (laughs) And at the end of these eight weeks, we will once again do a combined ranking. However, this time we will employ a Trump rule, which we have decided to dub Sheave. Sheave. If one of us has it higher on the list, we will wait to talk about it when it is at its highest spot. An additional note, we will not be including Ahsoka in the initial list. We will wait uh, to add it until the end. Also, we won't be including the two Ewok adventure movies because we didn't feel it was right to include since we both hadn't seen them in three decades. So this week we'll be discussing our nine through seven. So Nick, what's your number nine? My number nine is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. Uh, Where was that on your list? 13, maybe? Okay, so... You had it at 13. I had it at nine. I don't know what it was about this show. It's kind of soured for me over time. Just, I guess, thinking about it. And it's still this high. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I really liked it. I did. I had a ton of fun watching it in the moment. I was so ready every day. 
it dropped. This was like, it was like Mando season one all over for me. I was right there as soon as it dropped or I stayed up to like three in the morning on some of the episodes. I watched it first thing as soon as I could. I really had fun watching the show. Just the return of Ewan McGregor. Hello there. The way that it looked. Deborah Chow was the showrunner for the whole series. She directed some of my favorite Mando episodes. So like I was very excited to watch it. I seem to be on this running trend of if you waste my time with overly long content that could have been shorter, it really loses a lot of points for me. And that is 100% the show. This is a two hour movie stretched to six hours. Like they could have easily done it. It was really good, except for all the nonsense that they stretched it out to be. I really liked what they did with, uh, the Riva character, I felt they should have given her a little bit more to do. Uh, I absolutely, the only real, real negative that I have was I absolutely hated what they did to the Grand Inquisitor because that character was so badass in Rebels. One of the positives I can give to Rebels, Jason Isaacs voiced the character, was outstanding. I really feel like they should have cast him since it was his character. The, the the guy that they got to play him looked nothing like him. They then prostheticed him up to look nothing like the character, causing the whole internet to explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, the actor himself comes out and goes, yeah, I didn't bother to watch the Rebels episodes with this character in it, so I just did my own thing. It's like, yeah, no kidding. We could tell. It was awful. He was an absolutely poorly written character, poorly acted character. They just completely, like, to me, it was a different character from the Rebels show. It was ridiculous. Uh, But otherwise, I loved the Obi-Wan Darth Vader stuff at the end. Yes. It was so good. Even though it was a complete retread of what Vader and Ahsoka went through in Rebels, I still loved it. Like, I will watch somebody have a heart-to-heart, you-are-my-brother moment with Darth Vader over and over and over again. I love it when Luke does it in Return of the Jedi. I loved it when Ahsoka did it in Rebels. I love it when Obi-Wan did it in Kenobi. And he then also said hello there at the end. And I also love that as well. Hello there. Yeah, I largely agree with a lot of what you said. It was longer than it needed to be. I've kind of warmed up a little bit to the Leia storyline because number one, they had the guts to sort of recast Leia. I didn't think that they were going to do that, but take note, you can do that. I hate the toxic fandom that came out because of of this. Well, not the toxic fandom part. I'm not willing that. That first episode where she was running through the tiniest set ever devised, and they're like Scooby-Doo running into walls and shit, not able to catch her was really bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the actress was very good. I, I liked her a lot. I... Mm-hmm. don't remember who that was uh i can't remember her name but i remember i did really like her a lot mark it down now i might i might delete this because i don't want digital record of me giving uh disney star wars a compliment but this is although i could go the other way with it they had to make an entire series on why it made sense for leia to name her son ben but like it oh. makes sense from a story perspective Now I understand why Kylo Ren's name was Ben Solo. Obi-Wan and Princess Leia had a relationship of some sort. His presence would, in fact, be meaningful to her. His name, to honor him, 
it would make sense. Because in the expanding universe, Luke names his son Ben Skywalker. And, and Han and Leia name their kids Jaina and Jason and their third kid, Anakin. I give them kudos because... It actually feels natural the way that they did it. It didn't feel like with Solo, where they were making a movie just to show how Han Solo got all his stuff. They were making a TV show to show how Princess Leia named her kid. Like, it didn't feel like that this time. And mm -hmm. I appreciate that. So, like, that was a bit of actual connective storytelling that I appreciate. Mm -hmm. That's how you do an expanded universe. What's your number nine? My number nine is Tales of the Jedi. Okay, that was my number 12. So go ahead. What yeah. did you like about it? Or right, first off, which one did you like better? What do you mean? Just which one of uh, these? The do Ahsoka I like? arc or the uh, the Count Dooku arc? It's a tough call. I did I did like the Ahsoka arc a little bit better. I agree. I think that one was more. Well, I liked two. I liked the later two episodes of Ahsoka better, and I liked the earlier episode of Count Dooku better. These are like bluey sized episodes. And I wish more people would do this. This is what I was saying last week. Make your show, just call it Star Wars, and then put out episodes. I don't like how they did it. I don't like the breaking up these three stories into three individual episodes. Now, granted, I think they did drop them all at once. Yeah, I, I don't remember. But, like, this was one 30-minute episode each. So, it really, realistically, it was two TV episodes. One was about... Ahsoka and one was about Count Dooku and I liked the way that they told tell these stories because it gives us a snippet like the fact that, that we haven't had another one of these yet almost a year later is baffling to me they should have an entire team just pumping this out like just little stories and if you want to tell it in these three like Louis sized episode arcs great how are you not doing one a month yeah. Just on random characters. That's what everyone wants. It's weird because it's not like Disney Plus is generating any other good stuff right now. Exactly. They've got like one good show at a time. And that's a maybe. Well, I'm being generous by saying yeah. that. Considering also that Disney Plus does not have any good content that isn't Star Wars or Marvel right now. Or at least the original stuff. All of their other stuff is just... Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some people who might say that that new Percy Jackson series is doing good. That's okay. That's that is fair. Yeah, you're not wrong. Star Wars and, and Marvel is the only thing that's been keeping them alive and their and their library content. So, well, and now they're integrating Hulu stuff into it. So this is true. Yeah, I like the animation in yeah. this. I like the stories that they're telling. They're a lot of like big emotional stories. As yeah, well, which which I the, didn't like. The a betrayal lot as well. episode uh with Dooku with Oof. Dooku and um was it Yaddle? I think so, maybe. It was Yaddle. Yeah, that was really powerful. And that's good Star Wars storytelling right there. Like I I wish they would do more of it. I, I, yeah. I loved uh, the Ahsoka learning to survive. Like mm -hmm. uh what's your number eight? My number eight is Star Wars. Episode one, The Phantom Menace. Sheev. Yes! Uh, what's uh, your number eight? My number eight is Rogue One. Rouge One. Oh, wow. Mine, I had Rouge One at 16. Yeah. That's quite a jump. That is quite a jump. Oh, so. eight. We're, 
We're going to have a fun conversation about All this. right. What do you like about it? It's it's the characters. I like the characters and the diversity and the different, you know, the different types of people. Like, setting aside Andor, because it's hard not to give this credit for giving us Cassian Andor, because it produced arguably the best Star Wars TV show. But even all, like, a lot of the other characters, too, I found were really compelling. Like, you've got one guy who's blind who believes in the force but can't wield it and then another guy who's like eh, i i think the force is full of crap i i yeah. like i like people like that because in Dave Loney's per- world he should have been able to use the force because he clearly was trying hard enough obviously i agree with you i i agree with you and that's exactly why i don't like the movie i liked all of those characters why waste them like oh, that yeah that's, like okay you just introduced a bunch of really good, interesting characters, new characters, fun characters, characters that in this universe I'd like to see more of. But now, do you know the only way we'll ever get more of those characters? In prequels. <laughs> I'm so tired of the prequel nonsense. Don't sh- show me the last movie first. Show me the first movie first. Kill him in the last movie. I I don't. I didn't like Rogue One because of that, but also because I just overall I was bored by the story after the first time. Once I saw it all the way through, I just I can't get into rewatching it. It just doesn't do it for me. I do think that they they nailed the humor. As I said in the previous episode, this was the first movie that really understood Star Wars humor. And K2SO is a freaking amazing character. I cannot wait to see how he meets Andor in season two. More K2SO, please. Like, yes. he's so great. What else do you like about it? Um, I... That's it? You didn't like it that much? Okay. Why no, do you hate I... this movie, Mike? Unfortunately, because of what you said, you know, I do agree. It's like, it is a waste of all of these, of really all of these characters. characters. Unless all of these characters mysteriously survive somehow. They were hey, all pulled hey, into the world beyond worlds. Don't give me this crap because oh, we've no, seen they're... plenty of other people who have survived, you know, just the Death horrendous... Star exploding their planet. Uh, this was a test of the Death Star. So maybe it didn't work the way that they were hoping it would. I don't know. They kind of showed them vaporizing a. <laughs> I guess. So I did like the Darth Vader stinger at the end. (laughs) The hallway scene. I thought that was cool. It was cool. But the problem with that scene is that one, you had one other scene of Darth Vader that just was completely unnecessary and and stupid. And also you blew your load in the trailer and on the poster by letting everyone know, hey, remember Darth Vader? He's in this movie. I forget who did it, but there was a critic who was just like tearing that scene to shreds because they were just like, imagine if you're watching like a Civil War movie and the whole movie is from the perspective of the Union. And then at the very end, a Confederate general comes in and just blows all of these Union soldiers away. And then that's the end of the movie. Like, 
Like, it makes no sense why anyone, why thematically for your movie, that would be something you'd want. But, like, it looks awesome. It looked so cool. And it was one of the coolest Darth Vader moments in the world. But also, it breaks canon. Official canon. Like, Disney canon. Because several transmissions were beamed to this ship by rebel spies. Not, I chased some dude down a hallway with a data chip and watched him hand it off to you, and then chased you to catch up. Like, that's what happened. This original story was that the battle, or whatever, whoever stole the dead, well, actually, there are actually several stories, because you see, no idiot would keep the plans for the Death Star in one location. There were five separate missions to collect the Death Star plans. They were then sent to Princess Leia, and then combined. And that's why several transmissions were beamed to the ship, because... They, it was a multi-pronged attack, and Darth Vader was sent after the ship that the transmissions were sent to. That's how they actually tracked them down, because they found... But, like, sure, they that's what happened. You know who should have been the main characters of Rogue One? The Rebels team. Rogue One should have been the finale of Rebels. How much harder would that ending have hit? How much harder would that movie have hit? I mean, I'm not saying you have to kill all of them. It sounds it sounds like it sounds like you do. I'm not saying you have to kill all of them, but how much harder would it have hit if some of the characters from Rebels were on that planet? Because the ghost was there in orbit. We saw it. Hera was on the ghost. So Hera would have survived at least. You never know. Maybe Sabine and Ezra bite it on the planet. Maybe instead of being discount Janors and discount Kyle Katarn on the planet, it was Ezra and... Sabine, two characters that have had a full arc, making that sacrifice, and Hera survives, and Zeb survives because they were up in space when the planet blew. But, like, that's a sacrifice that then gives meaning to those characters even more so than just two random characters that you met yesterday. I don't like Rogue One as much because I see the wasted potential. That is that is your opinion, you know? I know. I know. I'm not saying you can't like it and love it. I'm just um, giving my thoughts. What is your number seven? My number seven, this is where I have Bad Batch. Okay. Which you had lower. Like 15-ish? Yeah. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in space. Like, I love it. I'm wearing a turtle shirt today. I love the Ninja Turtles. So give me the Ninja Turtles in space. I'm all for it. These characters are fun. This character dynamic is fun. And I really enjoy what the show is doing. They are setting up some kind of a mystery element that has been intriguing to watch. Uh, They've also made it clear that apparently some characters are expendable. Mm. Not to give too much away, although I'm not 100% sure that's going to stick. Because like I said, they're not going to kill the Ninja Turtles. But they seem to want to stick to this four trooper arc. Mm -hmm. So now that Sniper's back... They had to take care. I guess it's been out for long enough. I can say that they they killed Donatello or Tech, or at least they made us think they did. That was pretty rough. I did not like that. I was like, oh, no, I like him because they just gave him some character. Oh, I see what they did. (laughs) He planned for the future. And so he was not long for this world. But I've been enjoying the show so far. I'm curious as to what they plan on doing with Omega. That's what her name was. Because, I mean, you've got a kid who's about 10 in the Clone Wars era. That means she'd be about 30. 
in uh, A New Hope. So that means she'd be about 40 in the Ahsoka timeline. What are their plans here? Are are we going to see a live action version of this character? Like, I feel like we, you don't make it a kid unless that is exactly what you want to do. We've gotten live action characters of a lot of people. So it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if at some point we'll probably get that. I hope and so. It, and it's it's Disney. That's their move lately. Hey, yeah. we're going to turn everything from animated to live action. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We'll see. Their their move is also setting up something that never ever pays off too. So <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I I really enjoyed Bad Batch. You didn't really you didn't get a chance to talk about it. They, you had it much lower. Like what what it, it just is not. You didn't really watch it, or it's, it's just not it's, doing it for you. It's just not doing it for me as much as I thought it would. I enjoy it. It is not so much that I didn't like the show. It's that I just like a lot of other stuff better. Oh, that's fine. This is a clear example of Dave Filoni being the showrunner and not the direct writer. Like he doesn't write on this show at all. And it's very apparent. It shows. Because it shows. It shows. Yeah. I appreciate him pointing them in the right direction and letting more talented people take the reins when it comes to scripts and screenplays. So I've been really enjoying Bad Batch. I'm very much looking forward to season three, which allegedly is coming out this year. Who's to say? Who's to say? So that would bring us to your number seven. My number seven is A New Hope. Are you being a jokester again? Yes, or is yes, this, yes. I'm being a, a serious one. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm being a jokester. Uh, my number seven is The Mandalorian. Okay, well, I'm going to sheave you. But... Long. You can't sheave me and expect me to believe that we're not talking about it next episode. Next week. <laughs> because what would that do to your brain if I told you that the Mandalorian somehow managed to beat out the three? It is just a matter of order. What do we have coming up next week, Nick? Our next episode will be Star Wars Ahsoka Part 6. Far, far away. The search for Grand Admiral Thrawn reaches beyond the limits of the galaxy is our episode description. Until next time, please like, subscribe, try not to get trapped in an alternate dimension with your, the ghost of your old boss, and share the podcast with someone who might enjoy it. Rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. You can find us all over social media. I'm on Blue Sky, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Jagged2319. I'm on Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Serialize, probably soon to be Letterboxd, at MLHilty2452. You can also contact the show at GeekSpeakLouder at gmail.com or on BlueSky at GeekSpeakLouder.bsky.social or by searching GeekSpeakLouder the Nerds. Join our Facebook group and follow us on Twitter at GeekSpeakLoud because the ER was just too many characters for Elon Musk. Until next time, I'm Mike Hilty. And I'm Nick Farrow. Thank you for tuning in to Geeks Speak Louder Than Nerds. Bye, everybody. Get rays. I feel like he wasn't big enough. Like, you brought in like a D tier comedian to do an A tier, an A list room. Like, they're right. all looking at him like, 
who the F is this guy? Like, you get Ricky Gervais, and he starts pounding out everybody, and you go, okay, it's Ricky Gervais, we know him, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, we know them, they're great, and they can be totally mean to us, and we're cool with it. But then when somebody who kind of, like, oversteps their boundaries and is like, I'm going to make a joke about Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift is just not having it, and it's like, Oh, yeah. Um, hello there. <laughs> I'd never watched the Grammys, so I wouldn't know. Oh, I forgot. You're not a music person. <laughs> not a music person. No. <laughs> but then again, the, the Grammys are just a glorified concert. That's all they are. Ah, fair enough. I do know that when you go to the Grammys, you have to announce that uh, Beyonce had the best album of all time. So... I, yeah. That that I know is that's that, that you have to do it. Otherwise, they won't let you in. Yeah, you have to do it shortly before you uh, go in through the metal detector. Part of the screening process. Yeah, it's in the packet. Don't you know? <laughs> oh, obviously you do. So you, yeah, you yeah. I mean, I've been I've been there. <laughs> Usually, I get in. I get up on stage. I cut off the person accepting the award. I say my piece, and then I uh, and then I get out of there. That's yeah. that's what I do. Hello there. It sweep it or it sweeped. It swept all of its categories. So it sweeped. Sweeped. Viewers. Um, Hello there. I don't know. I, I I think it's rambling that I'm doing now. Hello there. Uh quick aside. Have you have you ever seen the movie Chasing Amy? Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in quite some time. I wonder if that movie holds up. It probably doesn't. It probably doesn't. It probably doesn't. Hello there. That's not how the force works. Q drop. Oh, <laughs> I actually already wrote Q drop for it already. I didn't even notice. Hello there. I always called them Twi'lex, but I think they are officially called Twi'lex, which makes why, sense. Why do you say officially? Are you conceding that the way that this is written mm, is, is no, official? It's because I think you, I think you are. Mm, mm. Hello there. I have gotten into arguments with people. That it's Twi'lek, and they would say it was Twi'lek, and we would just agree to disagree. Hello there. T-W-I. What would, how would you pronounce it? Twi, I guess. Twi'lek. Twi'lek. We're all wrong. It's Twi'lek. No, it, it depends, because Twilight and Twig both are spelled the same, like, T-W-I are, are in it, and yet they're both pronounced both different pronounced ways. differently. So, it's whatever you want it to be. Hello there. The Jabba's Dancer aliens. They've got the head tail, the Leku. Fun canon fact, head tails are called Leku. You and I have very different definitions of fun facts. Fun. Hello there. Ahsoka wonders if fighting is all she will... Ahsoka wonders if fighting is all... Oh, Ahsoka... God damn it. Hello there. How dare you when Zack Snyder just gave us Star Wars Episode Ten Rebel Moon. It's almost like they're brothers. Right. <laughs> One of them makes movies with shitty dialogue and no character development. The other does TV. <laughs> Hello there. Dicer said it best. It's the most beautiful, dumb movie I've ever watched. Yeah. Hello there. It's just a fuel comment. I we can we can <laughs> leave it. We, we've been we've been having better conversation and elsewhere. I don't want to have to cut from there so I can get a Gattaca joke in. Hello there. The New Republic is only a quick phone call away, and knowing Hera, she probably didn't bring money for a payphone. We'll have to cut that because I didn't make my first. <laughs> because she didn't bring enough fuel either. Get it?
She didn't bring enough fuel. So she can what? Hello there. See, this is what happens when you pull an audible and you don't trust your you don't trust your writing. Do you want to say your fuel joke now? No, it's fine. Hello there. Maybe he's part of the group chat with all the Sith. What's that phone plan look like? And it, oh, I got it. I got it. Ready? It's sixth G. I'm I'm very proud of you <laughs> for that. So hello there. Uh, uh, nope, just me. Okay, cool. You're you're not a music guy. You're not a music guy. No, I'm uh, not. Possibly something to think about for the drop. I would like you to Google the song "Get Low" by. Little I John. know the song "Get Low" by Little John. Hello there. Hera asks, "How low? How low can you go?" Um, All the way to the flow. Thank you so too. Nerdy though. Hello there. I was a little spicy when I wrote this episode. <laughs> really, never would have guessed that. <laughs> oh, it gets it gets better later. I know. Hello there. Till she hears the sound of the turgil in the clouds. Turgle. Turgle. Purgle. Purgle. They're purgle. <laughs> Remember a few episodes ago when I said I think I wrote the wrong thing in the script. Okay. <laughs> And I have to go back and change it? Well, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> and now I remembered. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, wait. Was it just called Kenobi? What was it called? I thought it Kenobi? Was, I thought it was called Obi-Wan Kenobi. I feel like this is something we should have just known, but... Oh, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. Everybody uh, has a name. It's not like it's a ship in Ahsoka. <laughs> I love you. Yes. Hello there. Hold on, I'll pull up my thing and I'll tell you. Ooh, grazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most people don't know this, but I actually have to hold my beeps in my hand before I can tell you what's on next week's episode. <laughs> yeah.